have some fun. Just, just gonna be, just breathe, my man. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Just, uh, just roll with the commies. <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to oh, another cool. episode of Literally Literary Tree. <laughs> With us as always is Mr. Shanval. I am Joey One here. And here he is. He's got a space pen, Sean <laughs> O. Brian. I don't need to write anything. This might be a little bit of a crossover episode. Um, so welcome to Literally Literary, as always. My little snowflakes. Yeah. Uh, or pot tinkerets or tinks, depending on what it is. Um, yeah, we're, I don't know. I have a lot of political stuff that we can read, so this could, this could actually act as sort of a, a prelude to our pot tinkering episode Coaches. that we do every Saturday. Um, and and you, so you can listen in uh, to yesterday, if you want, or head over to pot tinkering and listen to that. And if you're listening to uh, pot tinkering, you can head over to this. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I guess maybe I'll announce it the next one. Time travel. It'll be fun. Uh, also, if you get a chance, you can rate us on iTunes. Give us a little uh, review. Write a comment and head over to Fawcast.com. You can donate to our Patreon. Uh, every little bit helps. Thank you all so much. I love you guys. Uh, how are you guys doing? Let's get, to the, let's get to the fun stuff where we talk to each other. Mm. I'm good. Let's like, catch up. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen you guys in a while. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. It's good to see you. What off. have you been up to? Actually, this is no different than normal. <laughs> You've just been gone. That's true. It's, it's been a I am week the only since yeah, we've like, seen each really other. Like, that's, right. it's, 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 it's true. That's a good point. We didn't, go, any through, we didn't go through any life-transformative uh, yeah. well, moments. Did I. I, I, did, I did not enter the vortex and exit a <laughs> changed man. I've been to the Grand Canyon and Sedona before. I've never okay. been to Williams, though. So mm. Kelly booked okay. a thing at Williams, uh, a little house, a little fucking little, the oldest uh, hotel in Williams, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, the oldest hotel in Arizona, actually, is what I want to do. It's like an old Victorian house. It's it a creepy town, man. It's like a legit old West town. It's weird. Hmm. There's all these little plaques on the walls, like signifying. Like still running or like ghost town? Well, no. I, well, that's the fucking weird thing about it. I mean, it, it is still running, hmm. but everything that was built up was like old Wild West fucking saloons with like courthouses on top. Just, and yeah, 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 like legit wow. crazy Wild West stuff. So Williams is cool. And that's where the Grand Canyon Railroad takes off and goes up to Grand Canyon. Hmm. So, but we didn't take, we were going to do the train, but I'm like, eh, I don't want to fucking deal with this. I was just watching this uh, documentary on uh, the Grand Canyon and uh, it was uh, a, uh, a creationist documentary. So they were trying to, uh, <laughs> to prove how the Grand Canyon was formed in like, I think it was like 12,000 years or something, but like the idea that like each of the layers that you see is from a, a great flood that happened very, very quickly. So the scientists say that those layers are built up over billions of years, but these guys are saying, no, look at what water can do. It's either a little <laughs> bit of water very slowly or a lot of water at once. And uh, yeah, it was I interesting. Seen, I've seen something like that as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we drove, we drove to there, then we drove to the Grand Canyon, then we drove down to Sedona, and we stayed there for two days and drove back yesterday. Mm. So we got back last night. So it was fun, though. It was chill. It was chill. We, we checked out of politics completely. Like, I think we listened to The Daily on the way there, so it's, which is 20 minutes long, and then we listened to a bunch of just albums. You didn't listen to any Paul Tinkering? Or we didn't wild, listen to any Paul Tinkering or, or Wild Wild West World or any yeah, of that stuff. That's I apologize. Trash. Yeah, Damn. sorry about that. No, we didn't <laughs> listen to anything. TBC? No. <laughs> More garbage. <laughs> I'm not going to torture my poor girlfriend with our shows like four days. You should just listen to me real quick. Yep. You should listen to what I say. <laughs> Like, since I'm in the car with you, you should just listen to me talking. Not, not actually me, but I like mean, she probably coming. listens to you 24 hours a day, so. Yeah, she does. 
I mean, it's it terrible. can't be. She can't have two hundred percent over. I don't know how she puts up with it. Um, anyway, I have books. Um, I have some political and law books. I have a uh, Baron's Law Dictionary. It should be a hoot. Is that uh, Baron Trump? You wrote a book already? <laughs> I also have the Constitution of the United States of America. Baron's Law. How dare know, you? I don't know if our current president has read this, but he has vowed to uphold it. So it's fine. Oh, little dig. Sorry, kids. Damn. I have Thucydides' History of the Peloponnesian War, oh which we have God. read before, but I kept I it. I love that book. <laughs> I also have a new Aristotle reader. Nerd so alert. basically just a bunch of Aristotle. I hate that button so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, Derek, if you're listening, you're a cool guy. You're okay. It's fine. <laughs> I have Marcus's Eros and Civilization. Fired. I have uh, uh, The Spake Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche. I have Cicero's kind of Selected Political Speeches. I have uh, uh, Juvenal's The Satires, and I have uh, Henry David Thoreau's Walden and Civil Disobedience. He's a good man and thorough. And finally, I have a statement for the record, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence uh, by James B. Comey from June 8th, 2017. I have here in my hot little hands. Sorry, that's that's the Rush Limbaugh. uh, (laughs) Um, I haven't read any of these. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. I've read Thus Speaks Zarathustra. Yeah. And I've read the Constitution. You've read the Constitution. I haven't read the whole thing. How could you not? Because I'm not the president. But aren't you forced to? Like, (laughs) maybe it was just an Illinois thing, but we were all forced to, like, memorize or at least read the Constitution, like, step by step in class. And then we all had to take, like, a statewide test on it. No shit. That would have been, that's smart. Yeah. That makes sense. That's with the land of Lincoln over there. The Constitution test. You can't pass eighth grade without it. See, because New Jersey, like, we we like to encourage. We got rules, but, We learn about the Fifth Amendment. We like like to plead the Fifth all the time, so we learn about that one. If it's not written on a sign on the beach, I don't care. Yeah, we like to encourage making our our own rules here and there so it's you know i, I think the constitution would limit the kind of creative spirit of the <laughs> more like guidelines jersey strong yeah, jersey strong <laughs> i don't think the entre- entrepreneurial spirit should uh Applying translate over to uh yeah legality or uh uh legislation who knew who knew that rules were important i don't know nobody told me <laughs> it's that new york conversation that's what it is you know you, we don't know how to talk like it that was my queens by the way that was not my new jersey no oh, jesus <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, any, anything, anything jumping out at you boys, considering you also have copies of something? <laughs> you guys have copies of the same thing? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is, uh, I feel like it's a setup. Uh, <laughs> the the game is rigged. You're welcome. Uh, you, you can't, I mean, this, we are on air, quote air, and I can read anything you desire. So I will gladly read anything you desire. Of course I desire macaroni pictures. I uh, desire macaroni pictures. Yeah. Hi, South Parketeers. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. <laughs> yeah, of course we're reading the fucking Comey state. Okay, cool. Let's do Get it. Get to it. Jesus Christ. Uh, so I haven't Let read me this. Take out my spectacles here and join you. <laughs> Sean is in fact opening up a pair of glasses. They are golden and kind of tiny brimmed to the degree that it's kind of adorable, actually. If I can be honest. It's not adorable. It's kind of, okay. I'll give you. It's like a it's, five. It's super adorable. <laughs> I'm always I, super way, adorable. It's I plus hate, five. Adorable. I hate saying super. I only say super sort of like sarcastically, but it's like recently been kind of inching into my lexicon more, more intensely, it's and it's really uncomfortable for me. Uh, you got to be careful with that. That's how uh, totes worked. It worked its way totes into I'm my. Fine. Uh, I'm all right with totes. My my common vernacular. Yeah, but is. totes is fine. And so when super first became sort of popular, I I tried it out for like a week, and I'm like, this is uncomfortable for. <laughs> Me. I didn't Super, like it. Thanks for asking. It didn't feel good in my mouth, so mm. I spit it out and from and I haven't used it as a modifier since. I got a lot of shit for uh, for trying out uh, cool beans for a while. 
That's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, uh, according to it's my peer okay. group at the time, yeah, it was not definitely okay. not okay. Not okay. I, I want to try to, so Groovy, I'm, I'm rocking right on there. I, I want to try to bring I've been back, right on for a while. I've been yeah. right on for a while, too. I want to say far out more, but there just uh, aren't enough things that are far out. Can't, yeah. do, can't do that one. Why not? That's that's from the 60s or something. It, well, so, so is Groovy, groovy so right, right on. on. I mean, groovy is not uh, really that cool either. You should not be doing Groovy. Well, I do it specifically to be like a dad joke. I think it's funny. But mm-hmm. but Far Out is kind of cool. Actually. You should only talk about Groovy jokes? when you're talking about records. I don't always do Don't true. make dad jokes. I only make dad jokes. Nah. It's pretty true. I'm incapable <laughs> of making like a legitimate joke. It's only just stupid puns and shit like yeah. that. Or 20 layers that you need a fucking Dakota ring to get through. Which is the dad joke. Because eh. it's only funny to dads. Right, but that's one layer of it. And you, you start digging into your Fair Dakota enough. ring. Fair enough, yeah. I think that's okay. Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so I guess we'll read the Comey letter. Yeah. Uh, June 8th, 2017. Comey, 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 Chameleon. Uh, Chairman Burr, Ranking Member Warner, members of the committee. Thank you for inviting me to appear before you today. I was asked to testify today to describe for you my interactions with President-elect Jesus, and President Trump. This? On subjects. Glasses and headphones are not a good combination. Agreed. That I understand (laughs) are of interest to you. I have not included every detail from my conversations with the president, uh, but it is seven pages long, so I probably added a lot. Yeah. That's not in there. Sick. I'm going to add sick to that. Sick burn? (laughs) Not sick. That was wrong. Anyway, whatever. Fuck it. Uh, But to the best of my recollection, I have tried to include information that may be relevant to the committee. So this is about seven pages long. Settle in. Kids. <sighs> all right. All right. Rilla, I didn't fucking write it. I was settling in. Not told, That's how I settle in. Jesus. <laughs> 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 Let me just take a little sip of my white rice okay. from here. Oh my God. All right. Take it easy. Please it's going to be okay. This is a bummer, man. That was good. That, there's like two seconds. It's always This is. is a bummer, man. <laughs> January 6th briefing. Mm-hmm. I first met then-President-elect Trump on Friday, January 6th, in a conference room at Trump Tower in New York. He's right. It's already funny. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I was there with other intelligence committee, community, I see. It's so weirdly narrative. Like, Leaders to brief him and his new national security team on the findings of an IC assessment concerning Russian efforts to interfere in the election. At the conclusion of that briefing, I, rem- I remained alone with the president-elect to brief him on some personally sensitive aspects of the information assembled during the assessment. The IC leadership thought it important, for a variety of reasons, for a variety, sorry, a variety of reasons, to alert the incoming president to the existence of this material, even though it was salacious and unverified. Among those reasons were, one, we knew the media was about to publicly report the material, and we believe the IC should not keep knowledge of the material and its imminent release from the president-elect. And, two, to the extent there was some effort of, to compromise an incoming president, we could blunt any such effort with a defensive briefing. The director of national intelligence asked that I personally do this, <clears throat> this portion of the portion. briefing. <laughs> I know. This is, I get the phlegm. <laughs> Because I, I was, just don't get to read over your shoulder Because very I was often. <laughs> in my position and because the material implicated in the FBI's counterintelligence uh, responsibilities. We also agreed I would do it alone to minimize potential embarrassment to the president-elect. 
Although we agree. You don't have to put the fucking dun dun tone over it. it made, I would do it alone. It made sense for me to do <laughs> yes, the briefing. He does. he does to do that. The FBI's leadership and I were concerned that the Fuck briefing connotations on things. might create a situation <laughs> where a new president came into office uncertain about whether the FBI was conducting a counterintelligence investigation of his personal conduct. It is important to understand that the FBI counterintelligence investigations are different than the more commonly known criminal investigative work. The Bureau's goal in a counterintelligence investigation is to understand the technical and human methods that hostile foreign powers are using to influence the United States or to steal our secrets. The FBI uses that understanding to disrupt those efforts. Sometimes, disruption takes the form of alerting a person who is targeted for recruitment or influence by the foreign power. Sometimes it involves hardening a computer system that is being attacked. Sometimes it involves, quote, turning, end quote, the, the recruited person into a double agent or publicly calling out the behavior with sanctions or expulsions of, or expulsions of embassy-based intelligence officers. On occasion, criminal prosecution is used to disrupt intelligence activities. Okay. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> sure. What? Is he just describing everything? Is, is this all hypotheticals? <laughs> Sometimes? Yeah. There's a chair. In front of me is a desk. I have a computer on it. But he's, he seems to be listing almost everything that probably happened. Yeah, he said, <clears throat> I mean, I guess. <laughs> it is possible. seven pages. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so... Um, also, the double agent thing is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, yeah, that is kind of cool, actually. It wouldn't have occurred to me. That he threw like, that in there? We do spies. Oh, no. Just I'm not saying we don't do spies. <laughs> no, I'm saying who's the fucking devil agent? I want to know. All of them. Everyone. <laughs> Haven't you been listening to me? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> because the nature of the hostile foreign nature, sorry, nation is well known, counterintelligence investigations tend to be centered on individuals, the FBI su suspect. Uh, suspects to be witting or unwitting agents of that foreign power. When the FBI develops reason to believe an American has been targeted for recruitment by a foreign power or is covertly acting as an agent of the foreign power, the FBI will open an investigation on that American and use legal authorities to try to learn more about the nature of any relationship with the foreign power so it can be disrupted. Uh, open, open investigation is in quotation marks. So I don't know. Maybe he'll use that later. Question for you, O'Brien. Sure. Do, who do you think this audience is? Who's he writing this for? He, he literally said. No, no, I know Chairman that. Burr, Ranking Member uh, Warner, okay. members of the committee. He, okay, come on. America. Be realistic. Who is it? He knows who's going to read this. <clears throat> Everybody. He knows everyone's going to read this. He's a showboat. I believe it starts, Dear Diary. <laughs> Comey's a showboat. <laughs> he wrote it for everybody. It's just interesting the way he's addressing the general public. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think it's But true. that's what's been interesting about him this whole fucking time is that, yeah. like, you know, he'll come out and make these weird statements to the general public that, like, everyone's kind of like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that shit. And, I was first to say everybody. I mean, yeah, once, once Loretta Lynch had to recuse herself from the, the whole Clinton thing, he sort of was forced into the spotlight. And once he got there, I think he, he may have liked it or maybe just kind of realized his role in it. And, and it's a very, it's a, it's a touchy, troublesome kind of position for him to be in. Cause I don't, I don't actually think he likes it. It's just that I think that he's consumed by it in a weird way. And he's now stuck in this sort of this, this shadowy, uh, this, this sort of, Oh God, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. This like oddly backlit situation where there's no way for him to not be kind of fa a fascinating figure. And at the same time is completely shrouded in what he can actually say and do and, and be. So yeah, this little fucking Eagle Scout is just telling the truth and the whole truth and however he can. But at the same time is, 
is also being very tactical and strategic in how he's releasing the information and what he's saying and everything that he's doing. And it's, it's, it's a weird position for him to be in. And I, I think he's also, at the core of it, hurt. I think in the end, he's probably very hurt and wrote this from a position of just, you know what, let me just fucking get this out in a confessional nature for everybody to see, for everyone to hear. And this is what I can say. And as far as free speech is concerned, this is what I'm going to try to do. Sean's giving me a face. I don't know what his face is. Yeah, I'm just not sure how much of this I want to get into here and how much we want to talk about on uh, Paula Tinkering because, you know, that's a a lot of cans you just opened. I didn't mean mean to release all the warmth. (laughs) I shall pass you my space pen and a piece of paper, and we can continue. And we can also just do a crossover episode if you desire. Why Um, am I writing things? I don't know. If you want to get get into stuff, I can keep reading. Oh, no, yeah, keep reading. Uh, Tune in yesterday to Paula Tinkering, and you'll hear my rants on uh, why O'Brien's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I disagree. In that context, prior to the January 6th meeting, I discussed with the FBI's leadership team whether I should Oh, be... by the way, do you know how to open this goddamn thing? I was going to take a blade to it. So, Sean is now holding up a, uh, a, wax co- a wax-topped Hudson whiskey rye, which I bought for him today. Yeah. Triple, triple mm. cask rye. I was expecting Wh- a, cask, uh, a... What is that? Like a Knob Creek or something? What are the other ones that normally have Bullet the rye. wax? Yeah. Bullet rye. But usually when they have the wax top, there's like a little pull tab in there somewhere. No, that's legit that wax actually... top. They dipped it in wax and let it... Yeah, so, you should, should take okay. a knife. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Try not to cut Yuri here. Trying Sean is using oh. a box cutter. Don't imagine him using like a hunting knife. Or I anything. have an actual real knife. You want like a cool hunting knife? Would it make you feel better? Because it make me feel better. Oh, <laughs> No, I like the idea of him using that knife. But look, I... Wait, what do you guys have against box cutters, man? Nothing These things are fantastic. It's like a cool knife. Uh, wow. It is, Sean O'Brien is holding up a semi-hunting knife. Would I don't you, even know what to, to think. No, I, I actually prefer the box cutter for okay. the situation I'm in right now, but I don't know what to think about... The fact yeah. that it's like a badass knife that I don't understand up. that either. I have questions. It, it almost seems like, um, you know, a... Uh, <laughs> a threat? A sh- yeah. uh, like Far a sh- from it. Like, I just came out of the woods, and I, I used this backpack in the woods, and I realized I didn't take it out of it before I came here. So this is, isn't a daily item? Not at all. Okay. I carried all my books in the backpack, okay. which I used to hop yeah. around the Grand Canyon in Sedona. Into focus. Yeah. No, yeah, I was really... It was, it was, an, it was, an, it was an aggressively large knife. I, I had <laughs> a completely different view of you, sir. Yes. I, I imagined a, a rather short gentleman stepping out of a, uh, a, a, a Bigfoot <laughs> uh, vehicle. And, uh, yeah. All right, anyway, where was I? In that context, prior to the January 6th meeting, I discussed with the FBI's leadership team whether I should be prepared to issue President-elect Trump that we were not investigating him personally. That was true. We did not have an open counterintelligence case on him. We agreed I should do it if I should do so if circumstances warranted. During our one-on-one meeting at Trump Tower, based on President-elect Trump's reaction to the briefing and without him directly asking the question, I offered that insurance. I felt compelled. That assurance. I felt. Com- yeah. What? Oh, I felt. Isn't that what I said? Oh, you said insurance. I did too. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't be correcting you. Similar. No, I may, if it sounded like I said insurance, then no. Assurance. I offered that assurance. I assure you, you're a douchebag. I felt compelled to document <laughs> my first conversation with the president-elect in a memo. To ensure accuracy, I began to type it on a laptop sure. in an FBI vehicle outside Trump Tower the moment I walked out of the meeting. Creating written records immediately after one-on-one conversations with Mr. Trump was my practice from that point forward. This had not been my practice in the past. I spoke alone with President Obama twice in person, never on the phone, once in 2015 with nobody else. to discuss law enforcement policy issues, and a second time briefly for him to say goodbye in late 
2016. In neither of those circumstances did I memorize the discussion, memorialize the discussion, sorry. I can recall nine one-on-one conversations with President Trump in four months, three in person and six on the phone. January 27th, that's my sister's birthday. Aww. Dinner. Okay, now hold on. Before you start this, sure. uh, Sean Fall. This should just be, just, by the way, I'm just going to like, lay like an audio so marker. Long. I want you to start playing Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye right now. Yep. Okay? Now, go ahead. Oh, we can't afford that. Oh, damn it. Can we play yeah. something sexual? Um, you can just do it. January 27th, dinner. This is not going to work. <laughs> You can turn it down, maybe. The prison and I had dinner on Friday, January 27th at 6.30 p.m. in the green room at the White House. He'd call me at lunchtime that day and invited me to dinner that night, saying he was going to invite my whole family, but decided to just have me this time, with the whole family coming the next time. Oh. It was unclear from that conversation <laughs> who else would be at the dinner, although I assumed there would be others. Oof. Turned out to be it's just the two of us. Seated in a small oval table in the center of the green room, two Navy stewards waited on us, only entering the room to serve us food and drinks. The president began by asking me whether I wanted to stay on as the FBI director, which I found strange, because he had already told me twice in earlier conversations that he hoped Yeah, I this would is stay. literally just the first chapter of his book. This guy is fucking pre-promoting <laughs> his goddamn fucking... He can't even take it. Dude, no, this is, this is like... Yeah, this is this is not a fucking oh man. All right, I'm sorry. Oof. And I had assured him that I had <laughs> get into it. Just let it happen, uh. Sean. <laughs> he said that lots of people wanted my job, and given the abuse I had taken during the previous year, he would understand if I wanted to walk away. My instincts told me that the one-on-one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant that the dinner was, at least in part, an effort to have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. That concerned me greatly, given the FBI's traditionally independent status in the exec- as the in the executive branch. <laughs> I replied that I loved my work and intended to stay and serve out my 10-year term as director. And then, because the setup made me uneasy, I added that I was not, quote, reliable, end quote, in the way politicians use that word. But he could always count on me to tell him the truth. I added that I, was not on no, uh, that I was not on anybody's side politically and could not be counted on in the traditional political sense. A stance, I said, I, I said, was in the best interest of the president. A few moments later, later the president said, ah, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. That's your Trump? This is my literally literary Trump. Okay. I want a Trump. Come on. I didn't move, <laughs> speak, or change my facial expressions in any way during the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other in silence. The conversation then moved on, but he returned to the subject near the end of our dinner. At one point, I explained why it was so important that the FBI and the Department of Justice be independent in the White House. I said it was a paradox. Throughout history, some presidents have decided that because, quote, problems, end quote, come from justice, they should try to hold the department close. But blurring those boundaries ultimately makes the problems worse by undermining public trust in the institutions and their work. Near the end of our dinner, the president returned to the subject of my job, saying he was very glad I wanted to stay. Did you guys realize adding, it was this fucking literary? Like, No, I this, told you I hadn't read it. This is like, I, I'm just, 
like I I'd, I'd heard excerpts from this, <laughs> but like I am just kind of flabbergasted and like how shameless a ploy this is to just get a fucking book deal or something. Like I I'm uh, man, I'm disgusted. Um, okay, <laughs> so can I say something? Please. The one of the senators at the hearing was complimenting his writing. Of course. Did you see it? It was N- no. It was fawning over it. He basically was saying like. You're the, he was like, you're the kind of guy who was in my class who got the A, and I had to work really hard for that C. I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. But anyways, he was like- Our senators are C students. But this was a Republican. <laughs> yeah, he was totally a C student. It is amazing, actually. Uh, this was a Republican who was like complimenting him and shit. But anyways, he, but they were all like enamored with his writing. They were like, this is the best legal writing ever. I'm like, or like legal writing? I'm like, no, this is, this this is not legal, legal writing. writing. He, I think he said legal writing. I'm pretty sure the senator said that. This is legal writing. Well, yeah. that's amazing that this is legal writing. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is exactly what it is. Well, I mean, it's, it's detailed. I, it's I was it's this. specific. I, I don't know what all, the problem is. It, I might, like it might be it. narrative and well written. I but enjoy this is, it by definition. Legal writing, it, the sexiest legal writing I've ever heard. This is Michael Crichton legal writing. This is not uh, <laughs> a a brief for a fucking you know. I think it, you mean John Grisham, but <laughs> same difference. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Crichton is Crichton's fucking, a science guy. Yeah, sure. That's Bill Nye. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, if you were to provide a legal brief, you know, 10, 15 AM met the president stood, stood, shook hands, had dinner, bellboy served, you know, like that is the, the sort of at least Hollywood version of what the FBI communicate communication should be. That's not what they do though. They're, they're they're investigators. They have to mark investigatory journalists. Well, if not, that's not Comey. Comey's I remember when I was even. when I was in high school. I remember the we the, are the like the you know <laughs> did your school have that like cop like the ones the one cop who like roamed the school whatever yeah. the fuck he fucking booted my friend's car. Okay, yeah, <laughs> good. I did, well, it gives us plenty of inf- insight into Sean Claus' relationship with the popo. Oh, man. <laughs> I just didn't understand it. Like they kept giving him tickets for parking in this where he wasn't supposed to, and then the big punishment was to boot the car Sweet. so he couldn't fucking move it, and then the spot was used the whole time, and it didn't just fucking <laughs> tow the goddamn thing, man. I think, stupid fucking popo. I think the the point I'm trying to make is that I remember him saying something very interesting to me that always stuck out because it was sort of weird and I didn't really understand it at the time, and I thought it was kind of I, I, move I, along here, nothing to see. Yeah, kind of, exactly. I had, that, I had that sort of viewpoint of cops. I've always liked cops, like all the cops in my town are, are which by the way, I went to high all school with O'Brien. all of them now. It's kind yeah. of, fun. a lot of them were named O'Brien, yeah. yeah. And so I always had sort of a weird kinship to most of the cops, so we always knew them or whatever. And now, like, I went to high school with half of them, so I'm cool with all the cops. Actually, when I was just home last time, I don't remember what happened. Oh, like, uh, the fire alarm kept, like, just beeping. I believe this is and my, on the most recent episode of... Uh can be the most recent. Yes, the most recent episode of South Park. Uh, if you tune the cop in, thing, I believe so. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so if you tune in to South Park, you'll hear you'll Literally have heard the story. Week. <laughs> if you haven't heard this, then I apologize. But um, anyway, so my sister called it, and it was like one of my cop friend, one of my friends, like walked in. And it was like he was like, he's like, Shawnee Hill. I'm like, what's up, man? Anyway, the, sorry, that was a whole long tangent to basically say the fact that I remember this cop when I was in high school saying, um, a police officer has to know the law like a lawyer and be able to write like an English major. And this is the top cop in the land. This is the one cop. And so you'd expect him to a be the best writer officer, as well. We just don't expect that. Yeah. Exactly. So a good cop is able to write like an English major. And that's kind of what we have here. If you want a story, you need to be able to know what happened from a narrative perspective. I don't think he's fucking positioning for a book deal. I don't think he's positioning so to get it, Trump he, fucking impeached. He's did you literally catch, just telling a story. Let me, let me just t- ask you about this. I just wanted to ask you immediately when I heard it. Did you see the moment where he was being 
question by Senator Angus King of Maine, and he asked him, and he quoted Henry VIII. <laughs> I uh, so no, it's Richard the Second. I'm sorry, yeah. of course I got Same it wrong. Same difference. And uh, will no one rid me of this troublesome king or no troublesome priest? Yes, of course I caught that. Jesus it's Henry the Second talking they, about uh, the Archbishop of Ca- the Archbishop of uh, Canterbury, um, Thomas Becket. In 11, 11, 17 or something like that? Yeah, 11, 70, something like that? Yeah. When I heard that, I thought immediately, I thought, wow, that might have sold O'Brien oh, completely yeah. on both of those He's people. In love. That's what Kelly said, too. I was just like, she's like, did you know that? I'm like, I know, but. <laughs> well, no, it sounded very familiar, but I couldn't have placed Henry II to, to, um, to. I don't believe To Richard yeah. Beckett. To, to, God damn it, uh, Thomas Beckett. You got out O'Brien by a fucking senator? And yeah. and and Comey. Yeah. May I continue? We're on page three. This is seven pages, goddamn long. Fucking Sean, you're gonna have to breathe. <laughs> just gonna have to breathe. I think he's going okay. Or we just make this Paul Tinkering episode, and you're able to just no, say I, whatever you want. Just quickly, I think the issue I have here with the the um the use of the language that he is implying is that it gives. Uh, I, I, I don't like the idea that law enforcement has necessarily a story. I like the idea that law enforcement is gathering facts. And I think this is kind of the, the argument that uh, we always have about our news gathering in that you like your facts dry and I like my facts a little bit more uh, satirical, <laughs> I guess. Whereas in when I'm actually dealing with the public officials, sure. I want them to be fucking dry and fucking just telling me, you know, just which, the facts, man. Which once again, however, I will reiterate that yeah. that's perfectly fine. But I, it, he's no longer a cop. He's a private citizen Trying giving to his testimony. Deal. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, I, I don't want a book. I, I'm going to be honest. I want a movie. I won't, I won't even give you that one. I think you've taken it, sir. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hold on. Let, let me take the tangent You want a here. movie? I want a movie. Yeah. And oh, yeah. You guys are movie guys. Um, for one, who should play James Comey? James Comey. He wants to. <laughs> this is the greatest television show I've ever seen in my life. This yeah. Is not, I, the, an HBO movie would be the worst, would be the most annoying thing I've ever seen because it'd be two hours. I'll be like, nope, I didn't. This isn't that. This is like. I think Al Pacino is like, doing another person. It's like a picture person. of the Grand Canyon. Did you guys see Brad Pitt in that weird and uh, Netflix movie where he's like a general no, in uh, the Iraq War? No. Uh, based on the look that they give him in that, I think he could pull off Comey. That'd be cool. Okay. Okay. He's not really tall. I'll call he's my, sitting uh, behind a fucking desk all day. I'll call so my guy at CIA and see, see if we can get him to Brad. Nice. So we can get it over to no, Brad. Brad's already Comey, in the CIA. Sorry. I'm sure they're already connected. It's fun. <laughs> all right. Here we go. He'll talk to Clooney. They'll all figure it out. <clears throat> um... The conversation, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, near the end of our dinner, president, uh, the president turned to the subject of my job, saying he was very glad I wanted to stay, adding that he had heard great things. Age great things four. <clears throat> He'd heard great things about me from, from Jim Mattis, Jeff Sessions, and many others. He then said, quote, ah, I need loyalty, end quote. I replied, you will always get honesty from me. He paused and then said, that's what I want. Honest loyalty. I paused and then said, quote, you will get that from me, end quote. As I wrote in the memo I created immediately after the dinner, it is possible we understood the phrase, quote, honest loyalty differently. But I decided it wouldn't be productive to push it further. The term honest loyalty had helped end a very awkward conversation, and my explanations had been made clear what he should, it had, had ma- sorry, and my explanations had made clear what he should expect. During the dinner, the president returned to the salacious material I had briefed him 
<clears throat> briefed him about on on January briefed, briefed him about on January sixth, and as he had done previously, what was the salacious material? The P tape. Okay. Or the hookers. Oh yeah, that's the same thing. Difference. It's the same thing. I think he. Okay, that's an, it might not. It's be, all it might, part of the same th- dossier. Yeah. yeah. They, I think he actually, okay. There are individual incidents. Right. To, to, to read. Well, Russia's got the best hookers in the world, according to Vladi Putz. Since we're not a news show, basically the, the, the salacious dossier to remind you guys was that uh, Trump asked to stay in the presidential suite and, and hired some Russian hookers to pee on the bed that Obama and his wife were to sleep in. Anyway. That's the, that's the rumor. Right. That is uh, un- that unsubstantiated. That is the un- unconfirmed, unsubstantiated, yeah. according to fucking allegations. nobody bullshit allegations. We have no idea. Yeah. But that's what it was. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know but he did. Yeah. Which is actually funny. <laughs> Kelly kind of yelled at me this morning because I was like, I was like, we'll try. Because I, I forget what it was, but I was like, I don't whatever. I said like P-tape, something like that. And Kelly said, do you think there is a P-tape? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Trump's a, Trump's a, a germaphobe. And she's like, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck, you're right. And she's like, you thought it was like golden shower thing, didn't you? And I'm like, no, I, it, that's what happened in my brain. Yes, that's true. It's like something got sort of like, you know, crossed there. She's like, God damn it, people forget a fact so quickly, so yes. easily. So, uh, uh, Google Miss Hungary. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, Go- Google it. You can check it out. Supposedly, he propositioned Miss Hungary in Russia. She talks about it. That okay. doesn't sound anything out of the ordinary. No, doesn't at all. I mean, that's she why the man owned a, a fucking eating? pageant. Like, no, she was a hooker, I think, at the time or something. Is it but, just a woman eating? Like that. Lady of the night, please. Sorry. Uh, he said he was considering ordering... Okay. So uh, he had done previously expressing discussion of the allegations and strongly denied them. Uh, the PTA began. He said he was considering ordering me to investigate the alleged incident to prove it didn't happen. I replied that he should give that careful thought because it might create a narrative that we were investigating him personally, which we weren't, and because it was very difficult to prove a negative. He said he would think about it and ask me to think about it. As was my practice for conversations with President Trump, I wrote a detailed memo after the, uh, I wrote a detailed memo about the dinner immediately afterwards and shared it with my senior leadership team of the FBI. February 14th, Oval Office meeting. Here we go, guys. The climax. On February 14th, I went to the Oval Office for a scheduled counterterrorism briefing of the president. He sat behind the desk, and a group of us sat in a semicircle of about six chairs facing him on the other side of the desk. The vice president, deputy director of the CIA, director of the National Counterterrorism Center, secretary of Homeland Security, and attorney general, and I were in the semicircle of chairs. I was directly facing the president, sitting between the deputy CIA director and the director of NCTC. The There were quite a few others in the room, sitting behind us on the couches and chairs. The president signaled the end of the briefing by thanking the group and telling them all he wanted to speak to me alone. I stayed in my chair. As the participants started to leave the Oval Office, the the Attorney General lingered by my chair, but the president thanked him and said he wanted to speak only with me. The last person to leave was Jared Kushner, who also stood by my chair and exchanged pleasantries with me. The president then excused him saying he wanted to speak with me. Then he oh, told me, yeah. The president then sat forward and said, Knock, knock. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not it, sorry. <laughs> Hold on, I have to take back my salacious material. I don't think that woman was a hooker at all, so that was wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> what happened? Did you just say some bullshit? That, like, yeah. No, just, I, I think that everything I said was mostly correct, except for she wasn't a hooker. She was oh. just an actual person. He well, like I said, lady is a knight. So, that's all. he's got a penchant for pretty women. Jesus Christ. 
Well, uh, here we go, guys. Using money. Here we go, kids. Here we go, kids. <laughs> the president then the excused money. him, i.e., Jared Kushner, saying he wanted to speak with me. When the door by the grandfather clock closed and we were alone, the president began by saying, I want to talk about Mike Flynn. Flynn had resigned the previous day. The president began by saying Flynn hadn't done anything wrong in speaking with the Russians, but he had to let him go because he had misled the vice president. He added that he had other concerns about Flynn, which he did not then specify. The president then made a long series of comments about the problems with the leaks of classified information, a concern I shared and still share. After he had spoken for a few minutes about the leaks, Reince Priebus leaned in through the door by the grandfather clock, and I could see a group of people waiting behind him. The president waved at him to close the door, saying he would be done shortly. The door closed. The president then returned to the topic of Mike Flynn, saying, uh, He's a good guy, and he's been through a lot. He repeated that Flynn hadn't done anything wrong on his calls with the Russians, but had misled, but had misled the vice president. He then said, I, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. I replied only that he is a good guy. In fact, I had a positive experience with Mike Flynn when he was a, co a colleague as director of the Defense Intelligence Agency at the beginning of my term in the, at the FBI. I did not say I would, quote, let this go, end quote. The president returned briefly to the problem of leaks. I then got up and left out the door by the grandfather clock, making my way through the large group of people waiting there, including Mr. Priebus and the vice president. Okay, hold on. Sure. What do you think about the grandfather clock? That's where the bodies go. Facts. It's just a fact in the room. It's, it swings there open. Might be several, and, it's an oval office, so there's probably several doors. Yeah, there's a, there's a ladder behind there, like Webster, and he crawls in there and, you know. The president. Which is there's that one there's that old like Disney movie I think like that um what was it, the mir oh it's not Disney it's um the mir the miracle before Webster. Christmas or some shit like that with the little mice who like run around oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they live in a grandfather clock yeah. and there's that one song that's playing in my head right now Jesus but I'm not gonna sing it because you'll yell at me yeah I immediately prepared an unclassified memo of the conversation about Flynn and discussed the matter with FBI senior leadership. I had understood the president to be requesting that we drop any investigation of Flynn in connection with the false statements about his conversations with the Russian ambassador in December. I did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia or possible links to the, to the campaign. I could be wrong, but I took him to be focusing on what had just happened with Flynn's departure and the controversy around his account of his phone calls. Regardless, it was very concerning, given the FBI's role as an independent investigative agency. The FBI leadership team agreed with me that it was important not to infect the investigative team with the president's request, <clears throat> which we did not intend to abide. We also concluded that... Is it that, just Pavlovian that I'm getting hungry? I don't know. What's happening? What's, what's sound? Oh, because we're reading and... Because we're doing a literary literary. Yeah. Hungry? <laughs> hmm. Yes, it is then. <laughs> we also concluded that given that it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation, there was nothing available to corroborate my account. We concluded it made little sense to report it to the to Attorney General Sessions, who we should expect, who we expected would likely recuse himself from involvement in Russia-related investigations. He did so two weeks later. The Deputy Attorney General's role was then filled in an acting capacity by the United States Attorney, who would also not be long in the role. After discussing the matter... We decided to keep it very closely held, re re uh, resolving to figure out what to do with it down the road as our, investigative as our investigation progressed. The investigation moved ahead at full speed with none of the investigative team members, uh, 
or the Department of Justice lawyers supporting them, aware of the president's request. Shortly afterwards, I spoke with Attorney General Sessions in person to pass along the president's concern about leaks. I took the opportunity to implore the Attorney General to prevent any future dire- future direct communication between the president and me. I told the AG that I told the AG that what had just happened, him being asked to leave while the FBI director who reports to the AG remained behind, was inappropriate and should never happen. He did not reply. For the reasons discussed above, I did not mention that the president bre- that the president broached the FBI's potential investigation of General Flynn. March 30th phone call. On the morning of March 30th, the president called me at the FBI. He described the Russia investigation as a, quote, a cl- as, as, quote, a cloud that was impairing his ability to act on behalf of the country. He said he, had, he said he had nothing to do with Russia. He had not been involved with the hookers in Russia and had always assumed he <laughs> can't believe he used the word hookers. With, I know. Well, would you prefer ladies of the night? Whores? <laughs> Do you and know where had, that term came from, by the way? Hookers? Ladies of the night or hookers? Hooker. Yeah, it's the, isn't it like the Jersey Shore? Uh, um, so like sailors, basically, like you, you, try, to, you try to catch a sailor? No, it was like, like it was a, a landmass thing, like a cape, but it was like a hook thing, I think. Now, I could be wrong, but okay. I think that this is the Civil War general named Joseph Hooker. Oh, this is totally new to me. Yeah, and I think he was famous for uh, employing ladies of the night. I doubt it. I'm gonna check this. Yeah, what, I what, I, I, if I had anything, if I had to bet money, his nickname was was Hooker, General Hooker, because of it. Maybe I'm kidding. Uh, I, who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. Um, you both sound right. Uh, a cloud of me is actually with hookers in Russia, and he had always Maybe. assumed I might be wrong. He was being recorded when in Russia. He asked what we could do to quote lift the cloud. I responded that we were investigating the matter as quickly as we could and that there would be great benefit if we didn't say anything to having, to having done the work well. He agreed, but then reemphasized the problems this was causing him. Then the president asked why there had been a congressional hearing about Russia the previous week, at which I had, as the, as the Department of Justice directed, confirmed the investigation into possible coordination between Russia and the Trump campaign. I explained the demands from the leadership of both parties in the Congress for more information, and that Senator Grassley had, had even held up the confirmation of Deputy Attorney General until we briefed him in detail on the investigation. I explained that we had briefed the leadership of Congress on exactly which individuals were investigating, uh, we were investigating, and that he had told those congressional leaders that we were not personally investigating President Trump. I, remind him, I reminded him that I previously told him that. <clears throat> he repeatedly told me, we need to get the fact out. Speaking of the fact, Joey. Well, I'm just reading this one article. I don't know if it's true. It's from the Chicago, Chicago Tribune. Tribune. Yeah. yeah, that was the first one I found. Oh, okay. Wow. I was like the sixth one I found. God damn it. <laughs> I'm just a slower reader. No, but that's good. You're finding things six times as fast. Uh, supposedly, there's very murky is what they're saying, but it, it predates the Civil War. And it goes on to the explanation that I was alluding to. Uh, well, I didn't get that far, sir. Oh, gotcha. New Jersey, uh, some sort of landmass. Uh, yeah, it is uh, based on the. Uh, oh, God damn it! I just published. Uh, okay. uh, drive from uh, Corollers Hook, a district in New York City. Right on. Well done, sir. <clears throat> yeah. No, but this I'm other right. this other dude does. Oh, I'm sure there's. Uh, okay, this other dude says neither Joseph Hooker nor Cordler's Hook. God damn it! Yeah, that's that. To be honest with you, I wanted to say. I'm sure we're both wrong. I was like, pretty sure you were both wrong, but I don't know or what. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't fucking know. I mean, this is all murky. This feels like no one fucking knows. If the Chicago Tribune says it's true, it's true. 
All right, whatever. So, <laughs> so Trump, Trump wanted to say that it's not the he, Daily he was under investigation. He repeatedly told me, quote, we need to get that fact out, end quote. I did not tell the president that the FBI and the Department of Justice had been reluctant to make public statements that we did not have an open case on President Trump for a number of reasons. Most importantly, because it would create a duty to correct should that change. The president went on to say that if there were some satellite associates of his who did something wrong, it would be good to find that out. But that he hadn't done anything wrong. And right. Am, am I good? Yeah. OK. That they hadn't done anything wrong and hoped I would find a way to get out that we weren't investigating him. Satellite. <laughs> In an abrupt shift. He turned that conversation to the FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, saying that he hadn't brought up, quote, the McCabe thing, because <laughs> I had said McCabe was honorable, although uh, McClueth? McAuliffe. McAuliffe was, <clears throat> was close to the Clintons and had given Ooh. him, uh, I, I think he meant Deputy Director McCabe's wife, campaign money. Although I didn't understand why the president was, briefing this up, was bringing this up, I repeated that Mr. McCabe was an honorable person. He finished by stressing, quote, the cloud that was interfering with his ability to make deals for the country and said he hoped he hoped I could find a way to get to get out that he wasn't being investigated. I told him I would see what we could do and that we we would do our investigative work well and as quickly as we could. Immediately after that conversation, I called acting deputy attorney general Dana Buente. AG Sessions had, at that, had by then recused himself on all Russia-related matters to report the substance of the call from the president, and I said I would await his guidance. Right. I did not hear back from him before the president called me again two weeks later. April 11th phone call. On the morning of April 11th, the president called me and asked what I had done about his request that I, quote, get out that he was not personally under investigation. I replied that I had passed his request to the acting attorney general uh, acting Deputy Attorney General, but I had not heard back. He replied that, quote, the cloud was getting in the way of his ability to, to do his job. He said that perhaps he would have his people reach out to the Acting Deputy Attorney General. I said that, <clears throat> I said, I said that was his, sorry, my eyes are fucking up. I uh, said that was the way his, his request should be handled. I said that was the way his request should be handled. Damn. Thank you, sir. I said the White House counsel should contact the leadership of the DOJ to make the request, which was the traditional channel. He said he would do that and added, quote, because I've been very loyal to you. Very loyal. We had that thing, you know. I did not reply or ask him what he meant by that thing. I said only the way to handle it was to have the White House counsel call the acting deputy attorney general. He said that that was what he would do. And the call ended. That was the last time I spoke with President Trump. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. I believe those are pound signs. Pound, pound, pound. Pound, pound, pound. Pound, pound, pound. Yep. Where am I? Where am I going? Sorry. Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally James Comey. (laughs) Buy my book. Buy my book. Remember to turn over to remember to uh, turn over to Paula Tinkering yesterday, and you can hear us mm-hmm. talk more about this. And I'm pretty sure I'm actually just gonna go right. Do you guys want a break? So much. We're gonna take a break. I you want button. coffee. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. You button. listen to our song and uh, start out the coffee. Head over to Paula Tinkering. We love your face. Can't steal catchphrases. 
And that's why you always leave a note. I don't know, man. I just... I don't know, man. I just...